This episode is sponsored by World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. Dungeon Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we are very excited to have you here with uh, one of our favorite authors, author Brandon Sanderson and the master of the Cosmere. So thanks for being on the show. It's been a while, my, but it's... Yeah, my pleasure. When was the first time I was on the show? It's got to have been 10 years or more. Uh, 2009 at Condor. Yeah. 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 Wow. It was just before you got the news of the Will of Time deal. Yeah, okay. So, well, it's it's been quite a ride. Uh, yeah, it's, these, it's been a while. These last decades. Um, yeah. So, and we keep passing each other at Fanex up. though, and getting a chance yeah. to uh, chat there, but never on uh, on Mike. So this yeah. is this is really cool. Fanex is a little bit crazy when I'm there uh, for me. It's, uh, yep, lots of things going on. Well, it's 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 been a really interesting uh, watching your you know the evolution of your career because and when I met you at uh, Conduit, you know. It was you and Howard and Dan, and you guys were doing writing excuses. You know, we kind of helped out with recording a couple episodes there. And mm -hmm. now when you're at like Fan X or these other cons, like you have an entire team, you've got this whole space, and there is a massive line that is just going down the aisles for people to spend a little bit of time with you and get your book signed. And uh, That's got to be an amazing feeling of going from, you know, I just want my books to get out there to like everyone is in high demand to get the next Brandon Sanderson novel. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a ride. Uh, right. Like um, every author gets into this because they just want to tell their stories. Right. Yeah. And that's still at the core of it. Um, but I've been um, blessed or lucky enough to, uh, to have the, the, the real dream, which is everything taking off so well. Uh, though it comes with its own its own uh, kind of, I don't want to say problems, but uh, like I can no longer sign everyone's books. And this has been a hard thing for me to confront uh, for most of my career. I wouldn't leave a signing in, if somebody had a book that needed signed, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but nowadays, like even back before, like if, if we go back even, you know, eight years ago, the the signings were taking until 1 or 2 a.m. Uh, yeah. And now they would just, you know, I would be able to sign for 24 hours straight and have the next signing people show up and <laughs> um, not have gotten through everyone who showed up for the first signing if we had them two days back to back. And so, uh, but that's, that's kind of hard, right? Like knowing that now I have to leave signings without, people what we do is we do a ticket system there's a lottery people know if they're going to get their book signed but people yeah. have to show up wanting to get a book signed and i can't do it and that's that's kind of heartbreaking for me yeah that would be tough because i I'm, i remember when i was much younger it was such a thrill to go to the bookstore or wherever the signing was and get it signed by your favorite author uh you know i, yeah. I remember standing in line many times for tracy hickman and bob salvatore and mm -hmm. just getting a few minutes where they signed it and talked to him and then yeah, it's it's got to be the same way where you know people are just as excited to get you to sign the book and ask you questions about the Cosmere or whatever ideas or questions mm -hmm. they have. Yeah, yeah. There, it, 
Go ahead. Nope, I was just gonna say that's that's how it is. Um, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you a question about that. Um, you you've kind of given the your fans a glimpse into your life, and honestly, it's pretty overwhelming. Uh, you and your wife run Dragon Steel, right? Yep. Uh, you have is it two children? I have three, three little three. boys. Yeah. They're not yeah. so little anymore. medium-sized voice there you go uh you put out a weekly podcast weekly updates frequent live streams the annual state of the sanderson on or near colas head munching day uh you go on book tours you attend conventions all while brandalizing your own books at uh, various airport bookstores. Uh, You play magic often enough to maintain a reputation as a deadly player. You actively participate in your church and fulfill responsibilities there. And, oh yeah, you're a prolific full-time author that works on two to four books at the same time and still were able to write five extra books in a year. And somewhere in in two years. Two years, yes. All right. But still, uh, somewhere in all of that, you managed to eat, sleep, and maybe get a moment to yourself. How do you do all of that? What What is a day in the yeah. life of Brandon Sanderson like? And what challenges do you face keeping your most important priorities first things first? So it is interesting. Um, it's a great question. Um, I, I'm good at scheduling. Right. I've come to realize compared to a lot of people, I'm good at time management and I'm good at scheduling. Uh, and this is just kind of something that either I've trained myself or I'm just naturally good at. Um, but I have a few advantage of advantages over the average person. I do not have a commute. That helps a lot. I can set my sleep schedule. That helps a ton. Right. I know there's a yeah. lot of people listening who are like, if I could set my schedule to sleep when I want and get up when I want, I would be way more productive because I wouldn't be, you know, working on someone else's schedule. Um, it's it's really valuable to be able to set your own schedule. Um, I um, So what does the day in the life of Brandon look like? I have uh, these days, I have three days a week are writing days. Those are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I get up at around 1 p.m., I work until about 5.30. I spend from 5.30 until about 10 with my family. I would do a second session of work from 10 until 2. And then I get free time to do whatever I want uh, from 2 until 4-ish. And then I go to bed. Um, And uh, this schedule works pretty well. Um, That leads me to get just enough writing time done. uh, And I can squeeze in time on Fridays once in a while. Uh, Thursdays and Fridays, it's really every other Friday. Uh, so it's kind of like every uh, two weeks I get an extra writing day. Um, are do all the other stuff days. Mm-hmm. We pack as much on those days as we can. Meetings, phone calls, interviews, um, teaching my class, um, doing the weekly updates, uh, all of these things. All the That's basically a turn into half publicity branded, half CEO branded. Um, and... I spend those days, which are, you know, basically one day a week plus another day every two weeks, uh, trying to get everything done, which is why I'm sorry you guys had to wait uh, a few months to, to get on the schedule. I apologize. That didn't used to okay. have to happen. Um, but it's just like, when do we have a Friday or a Thursday that's got time open? Well, we'll slot things in there um, and get as much done as I can. And what I can't get done, I just can't do. 
um, and involves a lot of time triage for that reason. Um, making sure that I have a solid amount of writing time every week and making sure I have a solid amount of family time every week. Kind of everything else has to fight for the time that's left over. No, I like that. I like the fact that family is important. Uh, you know, that's yeah. something that's very important to me. And to hear that, you know, the two priorities is writing and family. Everything else has to find its way in between all that. That's that's wonderful and amazing. I found when you're self-employed like I am, um, if you don't schedule the time, you will fill it with something else. Oh, yeah. Uh, Howard, our mutual friend that uh, you mentioned earlier, Howard Taylor, uh, jokes because he's good with a quip. Uh, it's great being self-employed. You only have to work half days and you get to decide which 12 hours that is. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very easy for it to turn into you decide which of those how you spend those 16 hours, but it's all on work. Right. Um, yeah. If you don't set off boundaries. You know, my, I, I, and I try to like, I'm again, scheduling. It sounds so, so mechanical when you talk about it, but it really is what you need to do. Like I have found a thing that each of my children like to do. And then I schedule with them time to do that thing. One reason I can play magic is um, my eldest son loves magic. So I schedule time. That's like my son and I play magic. Uh, nice. My middle son loves the game balloons tower defense. And so every week we have to, you know, there's like a, there's like a, a raid, a boss bl uh, balloon that, you know, you, you get a group together and you go fight. And so we do that every week. Um, and my other son loves puzzles. And so we, I schedule time, um, you know, and Tuesday evenings I go with him and we put together puzzles or, you know, we work on whatever he wants to do and making sure it's like, there's an appointment for each of them is is important um otherwise it just doesn't happen yeah and, and i'm assuming also in that schedule is time with emily um besides yeah, you guys emily gets wednesday schedules. nights yeah emily gets wednesday nights that's our date night um nice. we uh we we finally got around to what did we do last night we watched ted lasso we we're a little okay. late to the party on ted lasso but uh but we've been wanting to, and so we uh, grabbed food, went to the went to our theater, and we watched Ted Lasso. That's awesome. No, it, it, it's great, and you know, I, I've discovered myself, you know, with the podcast and my own writing and, and life. You, you got to schedule. If you don't schedule, things just start mm -hmm. piling up, and then you're like, "Well, I, I couldn't get to writing today because X Y Z happened, or all these other things." Because you know, as you put it, if you don't schedule it, you'll find other things to do. So. So let's jump into a couple of questions about the lost metal, you know, uh, okay. the, the wax and wanes. Do we need to prepare people for spoilers? Uh, I, I'm hoping, I mean, my, none of my questions are really going to get into spoilers. Okay. Yeah. But if you want to jump into answer spoilers, it's a totally <laughs> I'll up stay to away you. from spoilers. I just need the, the context there. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> You know, because I've really loved the wax and wane series. I've always loved Westerns. And, you know, I, my, my grandpa was a huge part of my life. Whenever I was there, John Wayne or some Western was always on. So to kind of go into this era where it felt very Western-like, uh, I really love this series. You know, my first question is, you know, because of the conclusion of the book, you know, and this wraps up phase two of the of Mistborn series, was it really hard for you to kind of say goodbye to this era and these characters? Yeah, it, it is. Every time I finish something, it's really hard um finishing the wheel of time was hard finishing this was definitely hard um it's it is 
Uh, it's one of those things like I can understand why authors end up with series that just keep going and keep going. Mm -hmm. Totally understand that and totally respect it. Right. Like if that's what you want to do, uh, if that's what makes you passionate. Great. I feel like endings are a hallmark of what I enjoy in stories mm -hmm. and what my fans do. Right. Yeah. Uh, I prefer things that end. Um, I prefer like a powerful ending wraps up a story with a bow and then it is done uh and that is very powerful to me as a just in as just a media consumer yeah. uh it's one of the reasons why i have big problems with traditional network television right like yeah i i've often talked about how much i just dislike that format because a powerful ending is really important to me and some of these You'll have a really powerful ending at the end of one season and then to just kind of open it up the next season, and pretend it didn't yeah. happen. Um, and so if I don't end, I know I'm not going to be fulfilling my artistic desires for the stories I want to tell. And that is more powerful than the desire to just keep telling the stories, if that makes sense. It, it does. I mean, yeah, especially with Mistborn, I mean, both phases have really ended with a really powerful ending, uh, especially this one. Um uh, mm -hmm. So it kind of leads, uh, go ahead. You know, the, your comment about network television, the one that I, the example I always think of is Babylon 5. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski had a five season story and thank goodness he was able to, to tell the whole thing because the fifth season harkens back to the first season and several things that happened in between. It all makes perfect, it all makes perfect sense that this, this the story is complete. It doesn't need to go on. And it was really quite a wild ride. And so the same thing with, with your books, I absolutely agree. Knowing where the ending is going to be and that you're building up to it, there's a payoff that yeah. readers are looking for. And when, so one of the things I was curious about when you, at the end of era two, uh, you said that you're still planning an era three, maybe an era four. When you mm -hmm. got done with the first trilogy of Mistborn, did you have those plans? Did you already know about that? Good question. So uh, I pitched Mistborn as three trilogies to my to my editor. Uh, past, present, future is kind of the joke of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I pitched it as a epic fantasy, a 1980s spy thriller, and a, a, a far future science fiction all in the same world. Hmm. Um, Wax and Wayne, which became Era 2, um, was not part of that original plan. Um, a lot of things that ended up happening in Wax and Wayne are things that were in the outline uh, to be referenced in um, in the 1980s era. Uh, but I started writing Wax and Wayne because I needed to be working on more Mistborn. So the, the thing is, the Wheel of Time is what threw the big wrench in all of this. We got Wax and Wayne mostly because of the Wheel of Time. Um, if I hadn't been writing the Wheel of Time, I would have moved on to the 1980s era Mistborn much sooner, but those are deeply involved. And I had to be working on the, the Wheel of Time and it was overwhelming me um, because I needed to start off Stormlight as well. I'm like, I can't do uh, this, this uh, Tom Clancy-esque spy thriller at the same time that I'm writing Wheel of Time and that I'm writing uh, Stormlight. I need something else that feels different for me to write so that my brain gets a rest from the, the Wheel of Time, Stormlight-type storytelling. And so that's why I devised Wax and Wayne. And that's why Era 2 became Era, you know, it became Era 2 is something different. 
uh, with a different feel. And that's why if you read Era 2, it's, uh, you know, it, it has a different feel to it. It's more detective novel-y um, than it is uh, sweeping epic, though by the end it becomes one of those. Um, yeah. Because everything I do turns into a sweeping epic if I if I stay with it too long. Um, uh, but, you know, that's that's where Era 2 came from. Um, yeah. So there will stu- still be Era 3 and Era 4. Uh, the big question is, do I sneak one in between, si- between um, do I su- sneak in a cyberpunk between eras three and four and make it be five eras, um, which uh, there's a chance that I will need to do that again, right? Um, a-, a shorter series in between, but we'll see. So is, is we'll say phase three going to be that 1980s spy thriller? Yeah. With Alamancy. So um, wow. I'm starting that is my next big project after Stormlight 5. Um, and my goal is to write the whole trilogy, uh, which I've had outlined for a long time, um, and, um, um, do it all straight through kind of, um, you know, back to future slash James Cameron style where you write, do the whole thing, um, and then release them in parts after that. And so there might be a bit of a gap, um, like I'm going to take, I'm going to not release the first one until the third one is written. Uh, that's what I did with the first Mistborn trilogy, and I think I need it for this one to make the continuity work uh, yeah. the way I want it to. Um, and so, so we'll see. Might be about, might be another five years before I release that first one. It's going to take me three years plus to write them, yeah. uh, and then I'll release them while I'm working on Stormlight Six. Now it's time to chat about our sponsor, World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. With their software, you can create your world, manage your campaign, plan your novel, create a world wiki, wow your players, make novels more interactive, and make your worlds come to life. You can find them at worldanvil.com, and if you put in the discount code DCR40, you will receive a 40% discount today. Nice. So... Because I mean, you mentioned you, you outline. Uh, now, generally, because the outline and stuff like that, did you find anywhere as you're wrapping up, you know, this this novel with Wax and Wayne, that the characters surprised you by wanting to go a different direction, or you know, the, the journey you had planned for them changed because the characters like, no, I want to go this direction instead. You know, that does happen with every book you're writing. I am an outliner, um, and I maintain. Um, a pretty pretty good outline but the thing about that outline is i revise it as i work if there's a really interesting place to explore i will do that exploration and then if it doesn't work i'll trim it back and not okay. use it um but if it does work i will go revise the outline and i'll go that way you know i started reading a lot of your your books um you know, love them all. For example, Warbreaker, the ending of Warbreaker really took my breath away. Uh, <laughs> although reading this Mistborn series, I was going to say that the action kind of waxed and waned, but uh, it was uh, definitely, uh, I love the way this ended. <laughs> so so if you, if you, Matai has the way, he, he throws in dad jokes. Uh, so that was I, I approve of those. If you've read my books, you know. <laughs> he's attempted throwing those in well, i was trying to uh, share with daniel earlier i was asking him if he knew why kaladin never laughs at his friend's humor and all of her jokes are just silly <laughs> yeah 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 literally you know yes 
So, I mean, this that's a that's a really bad one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Dude, same thing that Daniel I, said. That's, that's <laughs> the old actually bad joke. Uh, <laughs> nice work. <laughs> really bad. The more groans, now, the better the dad joke. Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. no. I say that's the favorite? My favorite phrase the internet's come up with is dad joke. Yeah. Um, there are there are other things you know the, the phrases the internet have come up with that I'm not as thrilled by. Like I don't like the terminology of Karen or things like that because I don't like yeah. using people's names. Uh, that things like that. But I love calling you know bad jokes dad jokes because yeah. it matches so well. It has so much flavor to it. Uh, it has so much meaning and context that makes it makes you smile when you even hear that 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 terminology. So um, so <laughs> good job whoever first said that. Yeah, my my favorite thing. My 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 best friend actually has kind of like the red easy button um and he pushes it says dad joke so every time he pushes it, it comes up with a, it spits out a random dad joke it's just hilarious his kids will walk in and they'll just hit it and they're just like really dad another mm. one yeah That's it's awesome. awesome but um so let's let's talk a couple let's change gears a little bit uh you know you made a huge announcement about your secret projects and the first one you know the the title's been released tress of the emerald seas and I just want to know, when you launched the Kickstarter, did you ever imagine how successful it was going to become? And also, how did it make you feel to see the massive support from you know, readers and people around the world uh, contributing to that Kickstarter? Because it was really successful. You know, I did not anticipate it. Uh, we are actually internally, I thought, you know, $5 million sounds like a big number. And that's kind of what we're shooting for now. You know, keep in mind, we don't get to keep all of this. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of expenses for fulfilling on something like this. But, uh, you know, we didn't, I didn't expect $42 million, right? Um, like, I did not expect to, like, I would have thought that if I were going to claim the top spot, it would have happened with uh, a Stormlight thing. Um, and it happened with these, these, these cool yet kind of quirky books that I wrote in quarantine um because uh i had these kind of wacky ideas uh that is overwhelming to me yeah i i just i, I was fascinated and i kept seeing the numbers go up and i was talking to other friends i'm like it, it's a sure bet you know everyone mm -hmm. knows you deliver a great product so even though they didn't know anything other than secret project or the type or anything of context of what the story was, they knew they were going to get a great story, a great adventure uh, from contributing to that. So uh, it's just, it's amazing. I, I love the fact that so many people jumped on board this and supported knowing very little about what it really was. So, you know, kudos to you and your team. Uh, Cause I, I know they do a fantastic job getting these books. They out really and do. Supporting um, there's a lot of unsung heroes. Well, I try to sing their praises a lot, yeah. but uh, people don't realize what it takes. Like um, we talk about uh, my team. We've had to double more than double the size of my team to fulfill on these, um, on these, these Kickstarters, right. Um, these, uh, these secret projects. And so there's a lot of people behind the scenes making this happen. Yeah. Uh, not just the amazing artists who each like, I'm so excited for people to read secret project too, um, because each of the artists have been so fantastic to work with. Um, and uh, I can't wait till they get to see uh, Steve's art in uh, the second one, because it's a, uh, it's real special. Yeah. 
You know, I uh, I just started reading uh, Tress this morning, mm-hmm. and I and so far the flavor is like sitting around the campfire listening to a storyteller. It's a little, it's a form of narrative I've heard you give in person, but I haven't seen very often in um, in in the book form, and uh, also with the background of who this book was originally intended for, uh, I I find it very endearing for that reason alone. Uh, but I'm really kind of enjoying it, and the artwork, oh my gosh, uh, I just have the the Kindle version right now, um, but I can just imagine how this looks in in print. So when you when you see that, I mean you you're creating art the the prose but then it needs to be printed there's a font there's paper quality it needs to be bound and you have artwork so all of this comes together is kind of the the synergy of a lot of artists putting stuff together but you're at the heart of it how does it feel when you get to look at for this specifically for secret project number one when you opened up the first shipment and you picked up the first hard copy of this i'm assuming that's happened um, it hasn't happened yet oh, still i knew waiting. there were some supply chain problems I'm yeah. sure that kind of ruins my question they, they can't keep promising us that they're very soon. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's all this supply chain stuff. We actually set out last, next month's box early because this box is getting delayed. Um, but uh, it's coming. They say they keep saying, you know, they, they should be here next week. Should be here next week. So haven't had it happen yet, but I've had it happen on many other books. Well, and so how did that feel when you when you got to pick up the first printing of of the book and everything had all come together? How does it feel now versus like back when you first got a Lantris, for example? Yeah, you know, the, the first ones are kind of extra special. These days, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, people finally get to read the book. Um, that's great. Um, you know, for the first few books, we would run to the, the mailbox each day waiting so we can hold the books. Um, I will still do that for the secret projects because I want to see the art in person because there's so much we've done that's cool with the art on these. Um, but, um, but yeah, the, the, the emotion changes on your 50th book from your first, uh, your first few books. I will say that. So, um, you, you got to step in for Robert Jordan, finish the wheel of time. And I want to speak for a lot of the fans out there. Thank you for doing that because there are several series out there that have a, a fan base that loves it and they never get finished. And I, I thought that was a, an excellent uh, way to end that. And especially the respect that you've paid to that uh, that intellectual property and you the way that you've treated it just, I think has been a really good example to the, uh, to the community of how you treat someone else's stuff as homage uh, and by contributing your talent to it and getting it across the finish line. My question for you is that if anything ever happened to you, light send that it doesn't, uh, who would you pick to finish each of your series? And uh, feel free to choose a different author for each series if if you like. You know, I'm trying to kind of get it going in-house where I'm like, so Isaac Stewart uh, and Dan Wells both are good friends. My Dan has joined my company uh, full time. Yeah. And Isaac, uh, who's my art director, is also a writer. Uh, he's finished uh, a number of stories and books. Uh, I'm trying to get in-house so that if something were to happen to me, there would be a creative team that could make sure, you know, maybe they wouldn't write it, but they would have a good handle on it. I often say Brian McClellan is a, is a, good, uh, a good example of somebody I think writes. He and I have a similar style. He's a good yeah. friend. 
great writer. Um, you know, he might be the person that uh, until uh, until future notice noticed that we would tap on the shoulder and say, "Hey, are you willing to do this?" Um, so, um, so Brian's kind of the 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 he you know he hasn't said yes to this or anything. Brian's the person <laughs> I would I would suggest right now um as being as being finishing like stormlight isaac could probably do mistborn he's been really deeply involved in it he's written some stories in the mistborn uh universe and things like that so he's probably kind of the person that we would tap uh to do mistborn nice yeah no brian i think brian's a great choice uh you know his uh powder mage series is fantastic and very yeah. it has his a new very one's really good if you haven't yeah. read it um his, his new stuff is it's uh it's more traditional epic fantasy uh rather than the uh the powder whatever flintlock fantasy but yeah. uh but real good stuff uh highly recommend it i i know we're we're quickly at, running out of time yeah. here and you got to run to the next thing because you know you've got things to do what is next for you what can we expect to see coming next next is just more secret projects that's what our focus is on. Uh, then there is uh, there is the the last book of Def uh, the Skyward series called Defiant. That is what nice. I'm revising right now and turning in the final draft of that by the end of the month. Nice. All right, folks. Uh, you know, thanks again. Thanks for your time. I know it's very valuable for you, and you've got a lot going on. Uh, so, folks, definitely go pick up Lost Metal if you haven't, it, it, or even the entire uh, Wax and Wayne series uh, of Mistborn because it's fantastic. I love the characters uh wax and wayne oh man i just I, I love the buddy cop uh stuff going on between those two and the inside jokes and and wayne always swapping something out for something else it's just like not even comparable but in his brain it totally is it's fantastic i love that character uh so folks go pick up copies of this pick up anything that brandon writes because it's fantastic we, we we love those books and uh with that said we're we're gonna let brandon go and we'll catch you next time guys Take care, guys. It, it's that time. You know, we're out of time. It's been awesome having Brandon here with us. Uh, if you haven't snagged the Lost Metal, get your copy now. If you haven't gotten any of the Mistborn series, definitely go pick that up. There's there's seven books in that series now, let alone everything else Brandon has written. And short stories. Short yeah, stories, there's yeah. lots of short stories out there. Uh, even some novellas. Uh, take a look into the writings of Brandon Sanderson if you already haven't. My point here. Really simply, you want a good book, pick up Little Lost Metal. Uh, if you haven't read that yet, pick up the rest of the series. And we'll catch you next time. Remember to always let your geek flag fly. So say we all. And because Krebs is not here, I'm going to butcher this horribly. Always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you. Always.